It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hello, Torin. So um, I go with crazy because I believe that this week's conversation is going to be, I don't even know if we can get more polar opposite in content than, than what we're about to discuss this week. Like literally opposite ends of the 1863 and 2020 spectrum. Like, I don't know if it can get any more. Uh, is that 200 years? 1863, uh, 19? Well, 100 and enough. How about that? You yeah, know, I don't like know that. if we can get any more opposite than that. How what, what, How you feel? How about that? <laughs> well, I'm Start good. There. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yes, we're good. I, it's been a, an interesting week. I've learned a lot this week, and I'm excited to get to what is really huge news and what I think is good progressive, progressive, progressing of yeah. of news too. How about that? Yeah, how about it? So why don't we um why don't we do a bit of a history lesson because we know that uh, uh, over the last year and a half or so we've we've garnered some new user uh, listeners users. Wow, we've garnered mm-hmm. some new listeners to Crazy and the King, and we appreciate each and every one of you. We appreciate old and new and we also encourage old and new alike uh, to continue to uh, share the podcast and encourage other individuals to subscribe like literally subscribe these social media platforms you know clicking like is one thing but when you subscribe to the podcast on one of the platforms it says something to the algorithm i need you to talk to the algorithm i also need you to make sure you spend some time on twitter and follow julie sowash at Julie, J-U-L-I-E-S-O-W-A-S-H. Yeah, do that. Those two things. Subscribe (laughs) and follow. So listen, for all of you, you might recall that last year, Julie and I, we had a conversation around uh, Equality Act Now, which we will put a link in our show notes. And we talked about the high court's uh, need to consider whether or not Title VII covered LGBTQ bias in the workplace. And we recorded that one somewhere in the neighborhood of April of 2019. So if you if you find yourself wanting to go back in history, time travel, uh, it's in the month of April. But we really looked at and we kind of set the stage of what the justices would be looking at. And really their focus was going to be when they uh, looked at these three cases, Bostock versus Clayton County down in Georgia, Altitude Express versus Zarda, uh, an individual who was fired because he revealed that he was gay, uh, and then R.G. and G.R. Harris Funeral Homes versus the EEOC. They fired a woman because they were a he, transgender. That's the bottom line. Um, and so... These three cases were were an issue a year ago, and certainly there was a lot swirling around those cases then, and there's a lot of euphoria swirling around those three cases now. Would you agree, Jay? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, interestingly enough, one of the the or the plaintiffs in the Harris Funeral Homes case actually did not survive. She passed away not too long ago. Um, and while this court was or this case was still pending, um, it, and what is I think remarkably unique about these three cases is that the court issued an opinion on them together. So they really covered different issues of the LGBTQ employment experience, but the court came together in a majority ruling to um, protect LGBTQ workers all together and really made a strong statement. And I think it's in incredibly important to note that we have been waiting for this ruling and the expectation is that the outcome was going to be the opposite of what it is. And so it's interesting to see how the more conservative judges have evolved their thought processes over time about the inclusion of protections for um, all humans, not just based on a, a traditional male-female identity. Yeah, every every headline is going to say a historic win for the LGBTQ uh, employee. It was a six to three high court ruling. Uh, historic, historic, historic in every single way. Uh, the Transgender Law Center tweeted shortly after the decision that this was an absolute and incredible historic win. Uh, the court really ruled that the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects LGBTQ employees. It protects them from workplace discrimination in a decision that affects millions. And we do mean millions of people. And, and really what I, I found remarkable, fascinating is that uh, you actually could in a number of states, you literally as an employer could have walked in and said, you know, well, you're gay, so you're fired. Like you, you could, you could do that and you can get away with that. And, and here's the piece, you know, and we'll talk about it just for a moment, but what, what really is amazing to me, Julie, is that is that we had to have legislation for that. Yeah. Like, not that Julie is, you know, performing poorly in her sales goals, or not that Torin is uh, abrupt and rude with customers during the interface, not that so-and-so is delinquent and tardy in completing assignments, but merely that any one of those three, I'm just simply firing you because you are gay, because you're lesbian, because you're bisexual, transgender, like literally that's, that's the reason you could have put that on, I guess your exit interview or, or your reason for termination. And it's surprising to me. It was alarming to me. It was, it was, I don't even want to say foreign, but I, it really was outside of me. Like a person would actually walk in and make that type of a life altering decision around someone just simply because of their sexual identity. And I think what you hit right on the head and why this is so important is that it, it is not based on whim from purely based on, on what you said. I agree. I wish that employers and humans were just better people and better humans and, and didn't make these type of decisions based on their biases or their prejudices. 
But what we've also seen is that the Clinton and Obama added language to the original executive orders that cover affirmative action to help provide additional protections for LGBTQ individuals um, with sexual orientation and gender identity language. And then Obama had a 2014, I believe, executive order that strengthened the executive order, the original executive order on affirmative action even more so because it put some teeth around LGBTQ protections under the, the definition of sex. And in 2017, President Trump rolled back those protections by revoking that executive order that gave the, the Department of Labor and the EEOC the wherewithal and the authority to act to protect people. And that really is why this is so important. When, when the court says that LGBTQ people are now covered under, under the Civil Rights Act, that protection is now enshrined in statute, right, in law. Executive orders are really a, a president or an administration's interpretation of the law at the time. So they're rules and regulations. They're not law. And so someone could get married on Sunday as an LGBTQ person and be fired on Monday for getting married on Sunday. That's really where we've right. been over the past three years for right. for this administration and, and obviously for decades longer, you know, before just being in an LGBTQ relationship. And so this takes that whim, that fancy, like I don't I don't care about this as an administration, that takes that ability to take these rights back much, much more difficult. Just like how important when we rolled out you know, gay marriage and the court affirm, affirmed that under statute. That's how big and historical this is right now. And I think that's important to understand because these protections have been so whimsical in terms of they're based on, on whatever the current administration feels. Yeah, I think the EEOC was actually keeping data, uh, Julie, from 2013 to maybe 2017. You mentioned that the executive order was revoked in uh, 2017. And even back then, the numbers uh, at that point were somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,800 plus uh, sexual discrimination or sexual identity type discriminations that had taken place. And again, that's 2017, three years ago. And so I'm certain that, you know, across the country in the 22 states, um, I think I'm I think I'm right in terms of 22 states, you know, I'm sure that those numbers have gone up. And so, you know, really, when you think about the fact that this is absolutely ingrained in law, that organizations now are going to need to update their employment policies, they're going to need to really provide for non-discrimination based language, language particularly added uh, that relates to sexual orientation, gender identity, um, it really makes it a very much so big deal. And and it's not so much so that these individuals are, you know, free and clear to live life carefree, as they say. You know, isn't it nice to just simply walk? You know, when we think about terms like white privilege, when we think about terms like freedom of access and movement, when we think about the conditions and the current situation that we are in right now, Inside of all of those sort of examples, if you will, those 
those those drops that I did, there's someone that gets to move through life freely, carefree, like whatever, whimsical, as I think you used that word earlier, just move freely. Well, these individuals still can't move freely. Yes, we appreciate, we celebrate, we are amplifying, exuberated over the decision from the Supreme Court this you know, June of 2020, but these individuals are still fighting on other fronts. They're fighting for fair housing. They're fighting for equal credit opportunity. They're fighting to be in jury selection and services. They're fighting for laws, other laws regarding employment. So these individuals that are on that spectrum are still fighting and not able to live the carefree life that we are looking at. Education, public spaces, they are absolutely fighting. So, yes, I do want people to celebrate. You know, it's not about you agreeing with their lifestyle. It has nothing to do with you. But it is about you showing and showcasing that degree of humanity. And so that's the reason why we are both celebrating. Julie's happily married and, you know, she's got an incredible, uh, by the way, I got my T-shirt. I'm good now. Oh, yay. Um, yeah, I got my T-shirt. You know, so, I mean, it's it's not as if we are, um, we're advocating because we're more than allies. It's just really, you know, it's, it's what we're supposed to do as humans. Like, I, I think, you know, Julie, one day I think we should do a show on the religious right. Oh, well, we could that do that. That would be interesting. Oh, that yeah. So, so that's what it's about for us. It's really about making sure that people understand that if you're coming to work and you are showing up, doing what you are tasked to do in many ways, excelling or exceeding those tasks, I'm extremely happy that now you can show up in the workplace and not fear retribution because of your sexual identity. And you know what's important, right? As we have DNI leaders and TA leaders and HR leaders that are listening to us, you're right, Torn. There is so much more work to do, and one of the most important things that we can do as as corporate leaders is recognize that just last week the the Trump administration changed some rules in the uh, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, as, as I like to call it, that take away, again, the rules that protect transgender people from healthcare discrimination. And so last week, it was not okay to discriminate against transgender people, refuse to um, and not only treat them, but also change how and what would be covered under insurance and whether that an insurance company can discriminate against those people and has now made it legal again to do so. And so if you are an influencer in a company, it's not just enough to put your pride flag up. It's not just enough to celebrate this historic win. It's not just enough to have an ERG for people with uh, who are LGBTQ. You need to make sure that your insurance contracts don't allow for discrimination against your employees who are transgender. We'll not charge extra for those employees who are transgender. And I know that listeners on of this show have that kind of influence within their company. And if they don't, they better start advocating it now because that's how we're a real ally. That it, It's not just these celebratory moments. It's the moments when people's lives are at risk and we just go on. 
Yeah. Hey, so let me back up for, to something you said. You said charge for being transgender or LGBTQ. Can you explain that a bit more? Sure. So it, as a doctor, I could say I won't treat you because you're a transgender person. I can, as an insurance company, say that um, the medications or therapies that you need that are post-transition um, are not covered. So if I am a transgender man, so I'm a, I'm a woman who's transitioned into a man physically, um, and I have ovarian cancer, um, that ovarian cancer is, is part of my female I am not going to use the right words here, but that's part of my anatomy. But uh, an insurance company can say, I'm sorry, you identify as a man, so we're not treating your ovarian cancer. We're not paying for that. And that's now legal. Those are two examples that, that I was given this week that were fairly shocking. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. And so we, we need to, as corporate leaders, make sure that we're advocating for our employees who um, are transgender um, and who will someday make that transition because as a culture, we have to decide that that's not okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate you uh, for dropping that nugget in there for me. Uh, I mentioned earlier the Equality uh, Act, and you can find that over at the Human Rights Campaign website, which is hrc.org. Again, hrc.org. When you get to the site, just look for the Equality Act. Uh, there are a number of uh, resources listed to support that. Talks about the over 8.7 million workers uh, that are covered inside of the 165 plus companies that have signed on as signatories to that particular act. Uh, those organizations have a combined revenue of close to $4 trillion, and they are in all 50 states. And so we will make sure that the link is there for you, hrc.org. Share it, sign the petition, the act, support it. Uh, just keep in mind that while we have this historic week and revelation through the Supreme Court, there is plenty of work that still needs to be done. So that's the 2020 version. We're actually yeah. going to go back to the 1863 <laughs> 60. Three. No, I'm sorry. Sixty-five, 65. version. Yeah. Yes. So yes. take us into take us, Julie, through your beautiful lens of time travel back to yes. 1865. Okay. So I'm actually going to start in 1863 when President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. I think we all um, learned about that in our history class, right? So that was the end of legalized slavery in this country, and it legally emancipated all slaves from their former owners. I know, but I wonder back then if he had the hashtag beard gang. Like, I wonder, <laughs> if, I, I wonder, I wonder if old Abe was part of the beard gang uh, back in 1863 with his old racist ass. Go ahead. Go ahead and talk to him. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, so anyway, um, so we, we all learned about that in school and really what that was about, I think, at least from my my perspective of when I learned about it, it was about the greatness of yeah. Abraham Lincoln for him to so thoughtfully, you know, free humans. And um, and so that was that was kind of it. Right. I have a history minor in college. I've taken hundreds of hours worth of, of history 
in my life. And I consider myself a bit of a history buff. And um, I kind of got a kick in the face last week when um, Nike and Target and all these other companies um, started saying, hey, we're going to do Juneteenth as a paid company holiday. And there was also a big uproar that the president decided to hold a rally in Tulsa on June 19th, which he's now changed the date of. And I asked my husband, I said, I don't know what Juneteenth is. Do you know what Juneteenth is? And he didn't know. And so I started kind of taking a poll of white people in my life. And with the exception of one of maybe the 10 that I asked, no one knew what Juneteenth was. And so there's my embarrassing admission of, of white, my white privilege right then. Um, but so what happened in, in 1865 is that finally Texas, the most remote kind of state in the union at the time, um, and the one that was, I don't know if most Confederate is, but had the least amount of union troops in it at the time the war ended. Um, in 1865, two and a half years after President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, um, General Granger finally got enough troops to declare the end of the Civil War in Texas, as well as emancipate all of the remaining slaves in right. Texas. So, 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 let me jump in. so let me jump yeah, in real quick. So this is, this, is, um, this is very interesting to me. Uh, and it just, I hope that, you know, as individuals listen, that you move through the earwave, the audio wave, that's better. I hope that you move through the audio wave with curiosity, that you move through the audio wave with a different level of understanding about everything that you've been taught or not. So you are learning about Juneteenth. Now, let's be clear. You are a history minor. Yes. And you learned about Juneteenth. Two weeks ago, yes, or a week yes. ago, a week I learned ago. about. Yes. Now, and here's what's ill: I learned about Juneteenth thirty years ago, and that would have put me at twenty-one. I didn't learn about Juneteenth until I moved to Texas. I was born in Florida. I was raised in the Midwest. Served in the military overseas. And it wasn't until I arrived at my military installation in San Antonio that a dear friend of mine from Houston was like, you don't know what Juneteenth is? And I'm like, nope. We ain't talk about that when we was picking corn in Iowa. We ain't talk about that when I was flipping my newspapers in Iowa and working at Baskin Robbins and working at Godfather's Pizza. We didn't talk about a Juneteenth. And so what I want people to gather from our talking about this is not so much so that you need to exercise your fragility, that you need to always be combative, that you need to have some rebuttal when people are saying something to you. There is a lot of learning that did not happen when we were uh, matriculating through our educational, you know, uh, path and or college. So. It's amazing to me. It's amazing that, you know, the slaves in Texas were slaves for two years beyond Emancipation Proclamation. But worse, or not worse, but certainly equal, not even equal, certainly important for us to highlight 
is that we still are learning today what it's like to kind of travel through this chasm of racism and race and, um, you know, just community and history and everything else that goes along with it. And the last thing that I'll say, Jay, is that, you know, you mentioned that a number of organizations have made it a paid holiday. I can't tell you I'm very much so happy about that. I think Juneteenth should be a federal holiday. I think that everyone should be compensated for such. But I think it's one of those holidays where everybody should be required. This is my personal opinion. I think that everyone should be required to do something. It should be a day of service. They should be required to give back in some way. If you don't give back, then no need for you to just be kind of paid for it because it's a day dealing with folks that have been working for free for hundreds of years. That's my, my position. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and just to go back to to one other point that you made is, you know, I think we all know the saying that, that history is written by the victors. And so I think in, in even my naivete, as I'm thinking about, you know, sort of, my fascination with history as as a, a young adult and, and as a college student is when I think of the Civil War, I think of obviously the the Union side as the victors, which we were. We freed freed the slaves, emancipation proclamation. So to me, I think that I always sort of had this bias that that was such a big part of our our victory that I. I know the things that I need to because I'm being taught the things that I need to know about it. And as I mature in my life, I realize that what we're really talking about is just another version of, of whitewashing history and that we need to be able to kind of dive deeper into the, the other parts of history and really as a society, remind ourselves of the reality that we came from. And we always talk about that when we talk about doing celebration days or, or, um, you know, during like pride month or whatever, is that we have to look back at the hard part of the history that we love to kind of skip over and, and not talk about all the progress, but talk about the, the pain in which we started. And that's how I think sort of these kind of conversations just get side-eyed. It's like, okay, yeah, that happened. Great. But we still won and, and, and all black people are free and great, you know, and, and it's just that sort of quickness to not talk about the, the bad parts. And, and I think that is, that is a huge part of what we're seeing now. And so I think that's just another, you know, kind of repetition for me is, you know, DNI leaders, you need to talk about the stuff that's hard too. And absolutely. We're not hearing about it in school. My kids didn't learn about it in school. I certainly didn't learn about it in school. Um, And I agree about the day of service for a federal holiday. I also was reading an article earlier this week and actually just joined a group on Facebook about um, supporting Black-owned businesses um, on Juneteenth. And so I'm in a couple of groups that kind of locally support and, and promote Black businesses so that even if I don't do something that's a day of service, I'm supporting a local business that's owned by a black member of our community. And that is another way that people can really put their money where their mouth is. You are so absolutely right. And I'm glad that you raised that um, as a point of consideration 
We're going to drop in the show notes a website titled HellaJuneteenth.com. It's H-E-L-L-A Juneteenth, T-E-E-N-T-H.com. HellaJuneteenth.com. And on the site, there is a section uh, titled Ways to Take Action. Uh, and I won't go through them, but you can show your solidarity. You can gain education. You can, uh, you know, treat yourself, as they say. You can invest in the black community like Julie just raised as in, uh, a point of opportunity. Uh, you can dine at black owned eateries and restaurants. You can buy from black business owners. Listen, don't be afraid to order something online from a black business owner. Don't be afraid in your locale. Throw your mask on. Put your blue vinyl gloves on or nylon gloves, whatever they're made out of. Put your gloves on if that's what it is. Go down to, uh, uh, you know, a black vendor, someone who makes handbags, someone who makes T-shirts, someone who makes, uh, you know, supplies for the office, if you will, uh, paintings, ornamentation for the office space, for the house, for the home, furniture. Just find ways to support black businesses. One of the things that I think is incredibly important as we are considering the time that we are in right now, Julie, is not so much so that people just make donations or put up cute slogans on their social media accounts, but it's about taking your dollar and spending it inside of black communities and with black business owners. That's not something that is talked about enough. And I want to make sure people do that. I'm guilty of that as well. Now, I'm not guilty of not spending spending with black owned vendors because I do. I spend with folks that look like me. I spend with folks that look like you, Jay, but I don't speak on it enough. And that's something that I want to do a better job of going forward. I'm always looking to edit. How am I showing up and not just talking, but how am I actually showing up. So my charge and challenge to each of our listeners, put a a tweet up, tag Julie, tag me, Julie Sowash, Torin Ellis, tag the both of us, but go out and support a black owned business. You know, sometime between now and Juneteenth, which is Friday. And you know what? Do some bonus spending, support them on Saturday and Sunday as well for Father's Day. I mean, listen, I don't know about you, but I'd love to see Chad in the uh, kente cloth uh, dashi. You understand what I'm trying to say? Well, we can, we can make that happen. We can make that happen. He he'll, he can wear it with his kilt that he got. So That's he'll be very that, that right there would be, you know, that would, the kilt, isn't the kilt like Scottish? Isn't that Scottish? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so, so it's interesting because thinking about that, uh, just just literally this week, there were calls for Scotland to reckon with its slave owning past. You can find a story about that over on NBC News. Um, you got folks like Joe Biden and others that are talking about studies around slavery and reparations. And by the way, I think it's important to note, if you were listening to Julie a moment ago, Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and then it took two years for that message to get down to the slave owners um, uh, in, I'm sorry, to the slaves in Texas. Uh, and so what I, I think is amazing, another piece of history that people tend to not know is that slave owners were given reparations. Did you know that? 
No, I did not know that. See, check it. So okay. here it is that slaves were working and then all of a sudden they're free. So wh- wh- what wh- what do you do when you what do you do after 250 plus years of being cared taken care of by someone or given housing? I don't even want to use the phrase taken care of. Yeah. What do you do when you are a slave and you are told you're free? You don't have any money. You don't have uh, any land. You don't have a place to go. You have nothing, nothing. And in all of that, they found fit to give the slave owner reparations because they lost free labor. Talk about the bullshit. Oh, God. Yeah, I did not know that ever. So I just want people to understand when we sit here and do this podcast and when I show up to work with organizations, when other people in the DNI space are showing up, we show up differently. But what we bring to the equation, I would say more often than not, is going to be genuine. No, I'm not angry, but I ain't getting ready to give you a pass and let you feel like you're doing me a favor. You're not doing me a favor. No. You're not doing me a favor. So find it fitting to not only listen this week, but to find a business owner that is black that you will spend a few dollars with. Sounds like a more than fair ask, and I'm definitely, definitely going to do it. Um, So name drops. Are we ready for name drops? All day. Go ahead. Um, Okay. So my name drop this week is to the Indianapolis City Council. Um, As many of you know, I live in in just south of Indianapolis. Today, uh, they declared racism a citywide public health emergency. Which means that we can unlock funds to help treat and manage disparity within the Indianapolis community. So it can... It could relate to education. It could re- relate to training programs. It could relate to healthcare programs. Uh, all kinds of opportunities open up when a state of emergency is declared. And so that's something just COVID related that it was really important to happen because it unlocked funds. Same thing with, with racism as a public health crisis. And this is the first that I've heard of, of a city doing it at this level. We've had a lot of problems in Indianapolis over the last many years, but particularly the last 30 days um, with, with violence against uh, members of the black community. We've had some of the largest protests in Indianapolis history over the past few weeks. And it seems like the city council took the right first step today. And I really appreciate that. Absolutely. No, that sounds good. And you're right. It is the first time that I've heard it uh, at that level inside of a city. So shout out to Indianapolis City Council. Um, If they need an honorary member, tell them, Julie, they can call me. Uh, My shout out is Andre Blackman. Find him on Twitter at Mind of Andre. He's the founder and CEO of Onboard Health. You can also find them on Twitter at Onboard Health. And they focus on really looking at the landscape of talent and information and uh, 
you know, how we are proceeding forward in this world of personalized medicine and care and proactive versus reactive. And I appreciate all that he is doing. Simply wanted to amplify amplify uh, Andre Blackman, B-L-A-C-K-M-A-N, uh, down and out of North Carolina. Looks like you're going to be at the NACE conference uh, next month. I am. I will be opening keynote for the Midway Midwest NACE conference. Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Did I hear the word keynote? Yes, it is my first. So I think this keynote. is your second one in 2020, right? Uh, it will be, yes. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Somebody is recognizing my lady's chops like that. <laughs> Got something I'm to say. Baby. She, that means she has something to say. So check out uh, NACE. Do you have a link for people to perhaps register or is it a closed event? Nope, I will. It's actually only $50 to register for the two-day event. I'll be doing the opening keynote, and then I'm going to stick around and do some um, mental health roundtables for the day. So it should yeah. be really fun, and it, it's a good group, and they've got a great agenda all together. Love that. And that means that she is adding value. She's speaking and sticking around. So listen, uh, we love each and every one of you. We appreciate you for listening to Crazy and the King. I close reminding you to uh, just share the pod with your digital tribe. I want to make sure I remind you to also find your voice in the workplace. I know it's easy for people to latch on to the current conditions that we are in, the euphoria that we are in. But I want what we are doing to be something that you do all the time. Be a better human. Be that better human all the time. Have an awesome rest of the week. And you can catch me this Sunday on Sirius XM channel 126 at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to close out my series on Minneapolis. I didn't want to in June talk about Minneapolis and George Floyd. I wanted to hear from individuals from Minneapolis and what George Floyd and this circumstance has meant to them. And so I close out this Sunday with the voices of white men. I appreciate every single person that listens to our pod and my show. For now, Julie and I are ghosts. See ya. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.